When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And the fact that honestly, Central Florida without Disney World and these other theme parks drawing people in, Central Florida is swampland. Nobody would want to go there if it weren't for these theme parks. And Laura lives there. She can say that. Yeah, I was born in Orlando. I can shit talk. Welcome to Millennial, the home of pretend adulting and real talk. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. Wanted to plug a little bit of good news here at the top of the show. The FDA had the FDA advisory panel that was reviewing this potential over-the-counter birth control pill, OPIL, did vote unanimously to approve the use of this pill without a prescription. So this is good news in light of all the bad news that we're hearing about abortion across the country. I will say the FDA is not required to follow the recommendation of this committee, um, although the vote is expected to weigh heavily on its final decision, which we're going to hear about later in the summer. So keep an eye out for that, y'all. We will definitely chat about it here when it comes up. What's the name of the pill? Opil. I can't resist. I'm o- just thinking, oh. O- O-P-I-L-L. <laughs> oh, oh. Oh. You may have pill. got me pregnant if it weren't for the <laughs> O-Pill. Oh. Okay. The too early in the show for this. Too early. <laughs> it's unhinged. Well, we had an unhinged variety show last night, so I think some of that energy might be carrying over. We did. We can plug that more maybe <laughs> a little later, but probably yeah. my favorite variety show yet yeah installment of the variety show it was good pretty good Mm -hmm. (laughs) well that is good news laura but of course naturally it's not all good news out there there is in fact a clusterfuck afoot yeah you know the clusterfuck constant election season in this country continues it feels like we've been in a constant election since 2016 and 2023 is no different we first wanted to chat about cnn's trump town hall This is something that a lot of folks on the left had some really strong opinions about, and I wanted to give us a chance to react to it. But first, I'd like to ask, did any of us watch it? I didn't just watch it. I was looking forward to it for a week, <laughs> wow. like genuinely. I was just so excited for the fireworks. I We all knew it would be a train wreck going into it. And I really wanted to watch Trump do battle with Caitlin Collins and vice versa, because it, we just knew it was going to be messy. And it was. And yeah, I watched it. I watched the, the whole thing. I felt disgusted. It was I felt sick to my stomach at times. I did not watch it. I didn't want to give them the satisfaction of the ratings that they were clearly gunning for. But also just because I feel like if you've seen one Trump rally, you've seen them all. 
So it just didn't feel necessary for me to tune in for this. And I also kind of figured that any of the crazy stuff would get clipped right away and I would find it on Twitter eventually. And you're right. There was nothing new. Absolutely, positively nothing new. He played all his old beats and it was just the the same stuff you've heard him. All the hits. Well, I hesitated to call it hits because they're just tragic you know the election was stolen he's still on that kick he can't say that um uh he wants ukraine to win this war with russia he you know thinks mike pence could have done more to sway the election in his favor all that stuff we've been hearing for two years yeah with that in mind and figuring that that was going to be the vibe i also did not tune in for this but like pam i knew that i would see the Reader's Digest version, if you will, the uh, cursed and just easily debunkable (laughs) Reader's Digest version of all these clips. So I feel like I did watch it, even though I didn't watch it. Really, all you needed was the response from the left on social media. They were very pissed about it. Um, That CNN would do it, that CNN would do it knowing what would happen. Well, let's talk about that. Should CNN have done it? So I'm actually a little torn about this because as CNN leadership brought up, this could very well be the nominee for the GOP this election cycle. So on one hand, citizens deserve to hear what he has to say. On the other, to the points raised a minute ago, he said absolutely nothing new. CNN knew he was going to say nothing new. And it clearly was a ratings grab that that's it. So it did feel somewhat disingenuous to give him a platform like this. Maybe it shouldn't have been a town hall. Maybe it should have been a pre-taped interview that they could have edited down. And if it's an interview format where he's not surrounded by his fans, that was another problem. The audience was made up of people on the right primarily, and they seemed to really enjoy what he was saying, even some terrible stuff that he was saying. They were laughing and applauding some horrific things. There's a question of, should they have picked a better audience as well? I do think that Andrew raises a good point, which is that if this were any other candidate running potentially for the Republican side, then we wouldn't have batted an eyelash with regards to CNN's decision to air the um the whole debacle but and you can correct me if i'm wrong after the first election after the 2016 election didn't the president of cnn at the time go on the record as saying that they wish they hadn't have given him such a big platform i think so at least some people in the media world have said this and they're doing it again multiple people who did the media has learned nothing right and so that's that's where I think it leaves a little bit of a bitter taste in my mouth and in the mouths of a lot of other people, which is that we heard time and time again, fairly recently, that people regret giving this man a platform. And yet, everyone is now going back on their word. And so it feels yeah. it feels gross, right? Because we know what this is. This isn't like, let's let's give the other side a fair shot a fair platform this is blatantly a a grab for viewers cnn has been struggling with ratings of course 
And they've also been trying to strike under this new, what is it, Warner Discovery leadership. Um, They're trying to be more in the center. They're trying to be less left-leaning. So that does play, having a Trump town hall does play into that updated mission. I guess there's also a question there of should they try to be more in the middle to get back some people from the right? Be in the middle. I don't give a shit. But Trumpism is not conservatism. It's fascism. And what I really call into question here is CNN's reasoning about, yes, he's the presumptive Republican nominee. I agree with that. At this point in time, I think Donald Trump will be the Republican nominee for president in 2024. It's awful. We're going to have Biden v. Trump again. The sequel no one wanted. Yes, I'm already (laughs) exhausted thinking about it. However, there is still a long time between now and then. Mm -hmm. Anyone who has spent any amount of time in politics will tell you that things could change dramatically between now and the end of the Republican primary season, right? So CNN's logic just isn't really gelling for me here because there are other potential contenders in the field. There's Ron DeSantis, who I don't really think he stands a chance, but he is seen as Trump's biggest competitor for the Republican nomination. Nikki Haley has thrown her hat in the ring. There are a couple others. If you're really wanting to make a town hall setting for the person who will become the Republican nominee at this stage, you need to include everyone who's thrown their hat in the ring because there's no guarantee. So the fact that they chose to do this for Trump right now on the heels of all of his legal woes, him being indicted literally a few days after he was um, he was determined to be guilty of sexual assault and battery, I think, just feels like uh, a ratings whore move, really. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I I will also just raise, yes, CNN should have town halls with other Republican candidates. They actually did a town hall with Mike Pence back in November. Nobody watched it because he's as boring as a rock. Nobody cared. And of course, he didn't say anything outlandish. So it just really didn't get attention. The only thing I could probably agree on, I wouldn't agree on not doing it at all. I'd probably say you got to do a different format with him. That's that's it. But as Justin brought up in our discord, maybe his team wouldn't have agreed to another format. They probably wanted it live. They probably wanted a town hall with Republicans. They wouldn't. But I think the problem is CNN let Trump's team have too much power. I mean, even the fact that they're calling it a town hall and claiming that the audience is made up of independents and right leaning people who are undecided, that crowd did not sound undecided, right? Oh, it, yeah, they were yeah. Trump fans. They they were hand-picked Trump hardcore sycophants. And that's because CNN gave the Trump team all the control in exchange for the ratings boost. Which, what were the ratings on this? I, I don't like actually million. have that. It was a little yeah. over 3 million. And, and I, I think compared to other 
uh, Trump events and fireworks that we've seen on CNN, that's actually fairly low. I think they were hoping for more. I would like to apologize to anybody who's a big fan of rocks. I compared rocks to Mike Pence, and I don't think that was a fair (laughs) comparison. I'll try to think of a better analogy next time. I'm sorry. Thank you for your apology to the rocks. Trump did make CNN his bitch because then he went on Truth Social the next day and he posted a doctored clip of Anderson Cooper saying the following. That was President Donald J. Trump ripping us a new asshole here on CNN's live presidential town hall. Thank you for watching. Have a good night. (laughs) No. (laughs) Very convincing. It sounds like Anderson. And and you see him, too. I mean, and wow, what a big fuck you to to CNN. Trump posts this on on Truth Social. And also exactly what we were talking about when it came to AI heading into this next election cycle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is just the beginning of that. It's going to be very easy to do this kind of thing. Imagine when they start doing it to people who are either holding office or running for office. It's going to be a shit show, y'all. We can make a game of it. (laughs) How many people on Truth Social saw this clip and probably believed it's legitimate? Probably a lot of people. That's the scary part. Yeah. Yeah. Confirmation bias, right? You're seeing what you want to see, so you assume Mm -hmm. that it's real. Well, I feel like we can't talk about Clusterfuck 2023 and and the never-ending story that is politics and elections in America uh, without talking about Florida. Florida is fucking feral, y'all. I just got to say. So there's been some really disturbing legislation that has come out in recent weeks that's been passed that Governor DeSantis has signed. Um, These are all anti-woman, anti-immigrant, anti-LGBTQ Um, As a matter of fact, uh, advocates for immigrants, women, and LGBTQ people are warning against travel to Florida. We've definitely heard of cases of some people choosing to move out of the state because they don't feel safe there. Um, But just to highlight um, some of the, the best hits here coming out of the DeSantis administration, there have been laws passed further restricting abortion, barring puberty blockers and hormones for trans kids, in addition to giving doctors the right to refuse treatment if it goes against their moral code, even if it's life-saving treatment, blocking educational materials pertaining to gender, sexual orientation, and race, blocking funding for universities that continue to have such majors as gender studies, um, implementing this reduced burden for giving the death penalty used to require a unanimous um, agreement amongst 12 jurors. Now they only have to meet a threshold of eight jurors to uh, give a death penalty recommendation, um, making it a felony to be driving undocumented, uh, including if you're driving undocumented and you have a driver's license for another state, pushing employers to verify citizenship, um, actually using this really antiquated and historically problematic program called E-Verify. I don't know if y'all have ever read up much into this, but this program has been in use in some states for the last 25, 30 years. 
and it is historically very bad and and often produces incorrect information, which can really put people's status at jeopardy. Um, There are also roadblocks being erected to confirm citizenship. There have been videos on the internet in recent days of people driving down I-95, encountering one of these roadblocks and being asked by an officer about their citizenship status before they could continue driving. Yeah. It's really scary. As um, long as this list was, there was actually another story that broke over the past couple of days. Pam, you may have caught this sooner uh, than Laura, maybe just because of the entertainment angle. Florida is investigating a teacher who showed a Disney movie with a gay character. Mm-hmm. The Disney movie yeah. being a newer one, Strange World. She showed it to a fifth grade class and now she's being investigated. A Disney movie. Right. It's just nuts what's what's been going on down there. And Laura, you mentioned people moving out. I brought this up in After Dark uh, a week or two ago. I know a couple who did decide, a lesbian couple, who did decide to move out of state because they were so disgusted with what was going on there. And I I get that people, it's very hard to move for, for many reasons, no matter what state that you live in. Um, but... If I was there personally, man, I do love Florida. I do love the weather. I love the theme parks. But um, I think I would have to seriously consider, seriously, seriously consider getting out of there because it's just very disturbing what's what's going on. The checkpoints to me is what is especially sinister, especially that uh, given that most of the state by now knows that There are a lot of people who are leaving who are undocumented because they know they won't be able to find employment in that state. And so for them to realize that there's this mass exodus going on and to set up checkpoints anyway to sort of like play gotcha with all these people is so extremely fucked up. It really is, given that um, the laws around... Um, you know, immigration status and, and driving while undocumented don't take effect until July. So people, some people are trying to get the fuck out before that goes into effect, but they're already launching these roadblocks. And we can only hope that most people are able to avoid them. Um, this is also having, you know, even if you don't have any empathy in your heart whatsoever, this is already having major economic impacts on the state. I mean, the state's primary uh, source of revenue is tourism. Um, People are already reporting bookings for things like conferences. Um, Theme park attendance are down. Hotel bookings are down. Um, There are even reports of how much this is impacting the construction industry. Um, Particularly in South Florida, there are job sites that are ghost towns because people aren't coming to work because they're scared. So that work isn't getting done. Um, Disneyland's the better theme park anyway. So if anybody's (laughs) going to redirect their Disney dollars somewhere else, I I recommend California's park. Well, it's funny no that you there. say that um, because Disney and DeSantis, as anyone who's been paying attention knows, have been 
um, going back and forth at each other for just over a year at this point. It's been pretty contentious. Um, Disney is suing DeSantis currently. DeSantis's handpicked board that he tried to uh, get to replace Disney's Reedy Creek district board but then Disney has better lawyers, so they pulled a fast one and got their own board reinstated. <laughs> They're trying to sue Disney. Disney is already calling for Florida to dismiss that suit. And Bob Iger on an earnings call, on Disney's most recent earnings call, said, does the state want us to invest more, employ more, and pay more taxes or not? Which is and notable. it's just that simple. Yeah. <laughs> Disney is the largest taxpayer in Florida, employs 75,000 people there, and attracts millions of people to vacation in Florida every year. You're, I'm sorry, you can't beat Disney. It makes me uncomfortable to think about a company owning as many subsidiaries and having as much influence as Disney does, but I will say... I really love this matchup because there's no way at the end of the day, when it comes to the income to the state and the fact that honestly, Central Florida without Disney World and these other theme parks drawing people in, Central Florida is swampland. Nobody would want to go there if it weren't for these theme parks. And Laura lives there. She can say that. Yeah, I was born in Orlando. I can shit talk. <laughs> I wasn't born there, but I've been there a couple of times on vacation. I can guarantee that we did not go anywhere that was not a theme park or that wasn't on theme park land. So, yeah, you uh, otherwise there's really no reason <laughs> to be there. Right. No offense to people who live in Orlando. The city of Orlando is nice. We've spent some time there, but in terms of viewing Orlando as a vacation destination, you're doing that because of Disney, Universal, Busch Gardens, SeaWorld, etc. And Disney is the crown jewel of all of that. If you take that away or if you alienate them to where they leave, which they could, yeah, they have a lot of time and money invested in Central Florida. But when you have the kind of money Disney has... You can fuck off whenever you want, and it's going to yeah. hurt the state way more than it's going to hurt them. I guess DeSantis is thinking like, well, it's not like they can pick up Cinderella's castle and move it to, I don't know, Georgia or South Carolina, North Carolina, somewhere else in the South. Yeah, they don't need to, though. Yeah, they don't need to. And also, I just don't get picking a war with the company that's bringing in tourists from around the world. It's around the world. I mean, when people think of theme parks, they think of Florida and Disney World. Walt Disney World's the greatest theme park in the world. And people all around the globe dream of going to Disney World. And they're collecting lots of tax revenue from, from that. Florida is. So it's just so bizarre. I actually just asked uh, ChatGBT to write a Disney song about how Mickey Mouse is going to beat DeSantis. <laughs> it's actually pretty good. And it's long. So I'm not going to read the whole thing. But... In the land of dreams where magic is real, there's a little mouse with a heart made of steel. His name is Mickey, the leader we adore, and he's ready to take on challenges galore. Oh, Mickey Mouse, he's standing tall with dreams in his heart. He'll never fall. He's going to beat the odds. He'll find a way to overcome the darkness and save the day. Wow. So ChatGPT never says, like, DeSantis is a stupid bitch. I hate him. But ChatGPT does refer to the darkness 
and uh, Mickey conquering hate and Mickey bringing unity and hope to every corner of the state. <laughs> well done, ChatGPT. That's so good. Can we get an AI Mickey voice to read that? Probably. Maybe perform a musical rendition of it, release it on socials and tag Ron DeSantis in it. <laughs> With love and unity will never be defeated. Mickey's magic will always be undefeated. That's the closing line. I mean, they just use defeated and undefeated, but yeah, That's good amazing. enough, ChatGPT, good enough. Yeah. I mean, this is just embarrassing for DeSantis. He's no match for Disney. Um, I'm pretty sure Disney owns all of us and we just don't even know it. Um, but this is him trying to have a Trump moment. Yeah. And he still lacks in the polls against Trump so badly. I mean, yeah. he's not officially in. Have you guys, by the way, been seeing DeSantis commercials on television? I have. Yes. No, <laughs> I haven't yet. That's I'm in, in a though. neighboring state. So okay. I'm fucking seeing. Them. I'll pay more attention to commercial breaks between Jeopardy, which is like the only thing I watch on cable these days. But I, I think it's like a lot of swing states they're currently advertising in. Obviously, California isn't. No, no one's going to vote for him over here. <laughs> well, so Laura in Georgia, now a swing state, shockingly. Wow. Me in Nevada, swing state. Um, I also heard from somebody in Wisconsin who's seeing these two. So there's three right there. Yeah. And there's a great shot. I don't know if you have this uh, ad, Laura, but. There's a Trump sticker on somebody's car and somebody puts a DeSantis sticker over it. It's just so tacky. How majestic. Yeah. yeah. I'm done with Trump. I'm all in on DeSantis. Out with the old, in with the new. Honestly, the quality of these commercials is giving Herman Cain vibes. I don't know if y'all ever yes. saw his oh, campaign yeah. commercials. Uh, they were pretty rough, but at least he kind of leaned in to the ridiculity of it all DeSantis is taking it all too seriously um and he just doesn't I think have the I hate to say this he doesn't have the charisma to pull this kind of shit off the difference with Trump is that for the people he appealed to for his base his level of charisma was extremely high and DeSantis just doesn't have that he needs ChatGPT to write a song for him <laughs> don't let the DeSantis camp hear that. <laughs> oh my God, get chat GPT to write your campaign ads. Um, and then quickly here, just wanted to talk about George Santos. This is not someone we've talked about a lot on this show because I just, I don't understand him. He feels like not a real person, to be honest with you. Um, for anyone who may not be as familiar with him, he um, he's a House representative from New York. Um, he is the first openly LGBT uh, elected member of the Republican Party. Um, yes. So, you know, yes for that, but no to everything else. Yes. He um, has been indicted on 13 counts of money laundering, misuse of federal funds and false yes, statements queen. by a federal grand jury. And this is certainly not the first uh, bit of scandal that has plagued him during his very short tenure holding office. Um, he has made a, a number of false or at best dubious statements <laughs> um, about his ethnicity, his background, where he went to school, his religion. He claimed at one point to be Jewish. It has kind of run the gamut to where nobody really knows who this person is. Um, 
It was found several weeks after he was elected that large swaths of his self-published biography were completely fabricated. Um, He has also been found to have committed check fraud in Brazil back in 2008 or 2009. Um, So he's really all over the place. There is some pressure Um, from some House Republicans for him to go ahead and resign. Kevin McCarthy is not getting on that train, so it's not happening anytime soon. But um, there is one House Democrat who is trying to force a vote to expel Santos on the basis of this indictment. And since Republicans control the House, they um, they can quash that. But them doing that requires them to go on the record to do so. So it requires them to say, no, we don't want to uh, opine one way or the other on whether this person should be expelled. The media never properly vetted him during his election campaign. That's an interesting angle to all of this. I mean, none of this came out until after he was elected. It's funny because there's someone else that that happened with. He ran for president in 2016. He's running again. <laughs> Trump? They, I mean, yeah. they were investigating him prior to him becoming president, right? Sort of? No, but what I mean is the media didn't properly vet him. Oh, I see. Well, hopefully he gets uh, kicked out. But wow, that is just so embarrassing. And right before Pride, how dare you, Mr. Santos? How dare you? All right. Well, that's the latest in clusterfuck news. And we're going to go check our TVs for new DeSantis commercials. And we'll be right back with more. Okay, so we're going to turn to maybe a lighter topic today. I wanted to talk about banning cell phones at concerts and how we feel about that. And the reason I wanted to talk about it is because just this year, Bono of U2 and country star Garth Brooks are using these devices called Yonder Cases to prevent people from taking out their phones during their respective shows. So after you enter the venue, you're going to be handed a Yonder Case that you have to put your phone in. And then your phone is still with you at all times. That's the one good thing here. But you can't open the Yonder case until you leave the venue. Basically, there's like this magnetic lock on it and that you need to use this magnet tool to unlock it on your way out the door. Um, If you do want to check your phone during the concert, let's say you get a phone call and you're wondering who it is or you start having a heart attack and you need to dial 911, you have to exit the performance area and go to a station where somebody will unlock the phone for you, and then you got to put it back in the case before you're allowed back in. These have also been used in schools, by the way, which makes sense, but we're going to focus on the concert angle today. These aren't new. They've been around for a few years. Jack White used Yonder Cases for a full tour back in 2018, and at the time he said, the way the audience react to my show tells me what to do next in the show. And if they're not really there, I don't know what to do next, referring to people being glued to their phones. Other artists who have used these include Alicia Keys, Guns N' Roses, Dave Chappelle, and the Lumineers. And by the way, I just looked at an upcoming Chappelle show on Ticketmaster in Pittsburgh, and it warns you that will be a phone-free event. So he's still doing this, presumably with the Yonder Cases. It's interesting to me because... Bono's doing this because he was doing this Broadway type show in New York on Broadway, and it's more intimate. So for that and any Broadway show, 
I totally understand that. Phone usage during Broadway shows is a, is a big no-no. On the other hand, Garth Brooks is using this during his Vegas residency. Garth Brooks concerts, I haven't been to one, but he's a country superstar. I can presume it's a big party. People are just having fun. You want people to put their phones away at a country show? That doesn't make sense to me. Well, I'm seeing a comment in the Discord that's really resonating with me. Riley is saying, this sounds like a problem. What about shootings, medical crises, earthquakes, fires, etc.? Um, or even that concert where people were trampled by other concert attendees recently. So it seems like there's yeah. a pretty significant health and safety risk to doing something like this in a concert yeah. setting. But on the other hand, on our Discord, Michelle's pointing out, I was at a concert over the weekend and the number of people blocking my view with the phones was infuriating. And, and that's yeah. become a real issue, too. And we've brought up stories on the show before about people who are like in front of you and don't put the phone down. I think I told a story about I went to a Dua Lipa concert here and the person right next to me was taking photos the entire show with this little like trinket and having the trinket in the foreground of the photo and Dua Lipa in the background. And I was speculating at the time like that was his dead sister's trinket and she, he was bringing her to the show or something but it was ridiculous it was over the top with how much the, the phone was out and it was distracting i have a question does taylor swift use anything like this because <laughs> yeah no. right yeah well that's that's my thing i mean she is a headliner and i feel like if anyone had the right to care about this because she is someone whose concerts are regularly videotaped illegally, I presume, um, I could see her maybe proposing something like this. But the fact that she's not, and we have artists like Garth Brooks wanting to do this, it just feels very lopsided to me. Yeah, it's kind of funny you bring up Taylor because ever since the era tour started, you can basically find multiple live streams of the whole three-hour set that she's doing every weekend. And not going to lie, I'm not tuning into those, but it is helpful that people are for someone like me who's keeping track of the surprise songs that she's doing so I could cross the ones I was hoping she'd play at my show off my list. But I will also add that she and her team are well aware that this is a thing. So in Nashville, where she just was two weeks ago, when she decided to announce her next re-release album, they went live and utilized the live stream format. Oh, smart. So that people would go to their page to watch the official announcement for Speak Now Taylor's version. So... That is an example of an artist who is very well aware of how the internet is essentially kind of like helping the tour become a pop culture moment by way of people continuing to film and also playing into that aspect by utilizing some of these tools that a fan would use. See, that's smart. I think it's smart to lean into it instead of try to fight what you know is inevitably going to happen. I mean, even with these yonder cases, just like anything technologically related, 
Yeah, these may work for a while until people figure out a way around it. They always do. And they already have. There's yeah, videos on yeah. YouTube of people cracking these things open. There's this one video I actually linked to in a doc. This guy takes the yonder case. He puts it so it's kind of straddling the back of a chair. And he just slams it down with his fist. And it pops right open. So it's possible. But it's a strong deterrent. A lot of people, of course, have never seen these things before, so they'd have no idea how to hack these things. But you have to presume at some point, if they don't exist already, people will be selling uh, tools on eBay to easily pop these things open. I also just think that like, if the goal is to deter your fans from filming so that they can be in the moment, be present in the moment while you're performing, wouldn't it go a much longer way for the artist to address the fans every night? take some time out of the the banter that they're um, doing on stage to say like, hey, for this song, how about everybody just put their phones away? I've seen other artists mm-hmm. do that. A lot of times smaller artists, but artists that appeal to a younger audience than Garth Brooks might. And I feel like that goes a long way. And people do yeah, listen. I think, yes. Yeah. I'd probably say 95% if not, not a little more, would probably listen to that mm-hmm. request. Of course, there's always going to be somebody who maybe didn't hear it or was too drunk to listen and follow the rules, whatever. Um, somebody will do it. But yeah, most people would. And then, yeah, you could all take in the moment together. I think Bono and Garth Brooks, their audiences skew older. So older audiences are probably uh, more open to this idea. I don't think a Taylor Swift demographic would be down for this, especially when you consider too that Taylor and other artists, let's, let's say Beyonce, she just started her tour too. Um, They're filling stadiums. This is probably a lot more difficult to do logistically Mm -hmm. in a stadium. Whereas Bono, that's a Broadway theater, Garth Brooks, a smaller venue, relatively speaking, it's not a stadium. He's playing the the Caesars Coliseum, I think Uh, the fake one. So it's not very large. <laughs> to that point, though, Andrew, your love of going to Bruce shows has been well documented. And while Bruce transcends generations, you could argue <laughs> that his audience skews older. So, do you feel like cameras, phone cameras, are a problem at his shows? Sometimes people like turn on their flashlight, or people love to check the set list during the show. Okay. I had this actually happen to me in two of the shows I've gone to, and that's it. Just this tour, and I find that so annoying. Hmm. But I would be pissed if if he or anybody else was banning phones at any show I went to because I'm paying to be there. I want to take pictures to remember it. Now, on the point about photos, Garth Brooks is doing something sort of interesting. As a special free gift, guests will receive a QR code upon entrance into the venue that provides access to professional photos from the evening show. So I guess the idea being... You will get photos from the show that you can then post on social media the next day. But those are going to be pro shot photos. And fans, I don't think, want to post those. They want to post their own photos, their own memories from the concert. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I feel like at least for me, I always want to show the level of quality shots I got or I want to show how close I was, what my vantage point was. And you're kind of removing that. (laughs) 
by doing yeah. this. And what do a ton of people do? I see this at Bruce. I'm sure it happens everywhere. People take a selfie with the artist, you know, 300 feet away from them. Yeah. But they're, yeah. you know, they're there. They're there. It's, it's a memory, right? I don't, I don't right. begrudge people doing that. Getting back to the like medical and safety concern stuff like that would give me anxiety, I think, to not have my phone on me just in case yeah. something happened. Not because I'm physically separated. Well, I'm not really physically separated, but not because I can't access my phone and check social media. I, it's a it's a comfort to be in a public space and have your phone with you. The shooting thing specifically that I know Laura said Riley brought up in the discord. That was something that we also brought up when we were planning this discussion. And I think that's a really valid concern, given that um, the reality of living in America is that mass shootings are going to happen and they can happen anywhere. And they have definitely happened in concerts. Yeah. It happened at and the. You want to um, call your loved one yeah. during, God forbid, a mass shooting. Oh, sorry, babe, I couldn't call you after it. There's a mad rush to go to the fucking yonder unlock station. Or it's call nine one one. Try and get a hold yeah. of someone you lost in the crowd. All of that. Yes, yes. I hate this. I hate this now. New fear unlocked for Andrew. We'll see now. I know Laura and I, we both have um, Apple watches. That would be the one thing that like makes me feel better about it. Cause like, okay, yeah, I can't see text messages I get during the concert, but my phone is still right next to me. So I can at least see them on my watch and I could respond on my watch if I wanted to as well. So it's not like I wouldn't be disconnected from the internet. It's, it's like just enough. I wouldn't be able to experience social media, which is good because I'm at a freaking concert. I couldn't take photos, which would suck. But if, say, my mom texts me and and says, you know, so-and-so's in the hospital, at least I'll know straight away. Mm-hmm. That's assuming that everyone has a plan, right, for that? Because I think that, didn't, Laura, didn't you tell us recently you had, like, an incident where you weren't close enough to your phone so you couldn't respond? Oh, yeah, it's connected to your phone. It's connected to your phone via Bluetooth. You can okay. have a cellular plan on your Apple Watch. What you're talking about happened to me last summer. I broke my foot. Oh, uh, okay. And I was, yes. I was out walking, um, I don't know, maybe 500 feet away from my front door. And I didn't bring my phone with me, but I had my watch on me. And mm. I was too far away for the watch to connect to my phone. Right. So I'm like limping back to the apartment, stopping <laughs> every few paces to be like, Call Mark. Does it work now? <laughs> Reconnect. Reconnect. So the real question is, do these phone cases allow you to connect via Bluetooth or is Bluetooth like yeah, uncapable? I think, I think it's just like a felt case. It's not it's not okay. like preventing well, I don't outside know if connections. it's like super crazy high tech. I can't remember if I heard this story. Was this the week I was off or maybe you said this to uh, Pam off air? Maybe, maybe I just have a really good memory. I mean, this was, I don't know. This was like last summer. So it's okay. like almost a year forgot. ago when this happened. Pam Pam over here with the deep cuts. <laughs> so we need to get Laura a life alert is what I'm taking away from this discussion. Right. She could just push the button to let us know that she's having a heart attack. I can't tell you how many times that joke has been made at my expense. <laughs> I wish Yonder had a phone number. I'd prank call them right now. I want to call Yonder as an old person and ask if my life alert would have to go in the Yonder case. <laughs> Well, phones aren't the only kind of contraband um, that, you know, has historically created problems in concert spaces. Pam, you and I used to be baddies when we were young, back when we were youths. We did. What did we sneak into concerts? Disposable cameras. (laughs) 
among maybe some other things, but disposable cameras for sure. For the memories, you know, you had to document that you were there. Right. Um, And I was curious, we talked about this in the show planning. We did not reveal this, but I have a feeling that we both used the same method for sneaking our disposable cameras in. Yeah. Did you also sneak your disposable camera in between your boobs? Yep. Yeah. So (laughs) I did too. The... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the other way that I would do it sometimes is um, I would um, sneak it in under, like I would wear a larger belt buckle. And, you know, belt buckles with studs <laughs> used to be a big thing. So that was going to be yeah, anyway. And they never smart. asked you to remove them. So I would just like put it where the belt buckle would be. And I would put the belt buckle over it. And then it would just kind of look like, like an extension of the belt buckle. And I would sometimes sneak them in that way. That's really smart. And when you brought these in, did you like turn the flash off? Was that possible on disposable no, cameras? No, it, you, you just, just took your chances. Yeah. But like a lot of people <laughs> had them. It wasn't like Laura and I were the only two souls with disposable no. cameras. Yeah. It and was a, a couple really times, common thing. Th- this was probably dumb because like if they did want to, they could have confiscated. Sometimes I was thinking like my actual digital camera. Oh, that's okay. brave. I know. I, I know. And then sometimes I would chicken out and I would like leave it in the glove compartment and then just like not have a camera. But yeah. Yeah. The photos were never good, though, right? No, I, I never but stuck it, a camera in. But. It was like mostly just like, I mean, they were your photos, right? So you could say you were there. Right. And, and also, memories, like, I will yeah. also say, and I'm sure this was the case for Laura, too. Most of the shows I was going to where I was sneaking in cameras were like general admission. So I was like pushing my way up to the barricade. Same. Yeah. Okay. So you were pretty close. Yeah. Like as close as you can get without actually like, you know, getting kicked out. So I would always get on the rail. (laughs) Me too. And And then I would be like gasping for breath. Yes. Me too. Yeah. Because it wasn't as intense as like being right behind the mosh pit or like right in front of the mosh pit. And then slickly pulling your Kodak disposable out of your boobies, being like, oh, look what I brought in. Honestly, by that point, especially when you're talking about like punk shows or pop punk shows, like most of the security guards are worried about like fishing crowd surfers out of the crowd. So they're not really like paying attention to a flash here and there. No, Mm -hmm. they've got bigger Mm -hmm. fish to fry. Exactly. For sure. I still have pictures from a Green Day concert that I did this at. I'll have to see if I can uh, pull them up and maybe share them in the Discord or on Patreon. (laughs) Is there an artist you'd be really pissed about if they said no phones? Or maybe this will be a passing fad. Who knows? Not really pissed about, but I wouldn't be happy about it. I agree that I think live theater is the exception here because that really is a more intimate experience and the performers can actually be thrown off by audience interruptions. Unlike at at a music show, you know, not to say this can't happen for musicians, I'm sure it can, but what they're doing on stage is so much louder um, and, you know, often times due to lighting and things, they might not even be able to see the crowd. I I think it's just a different kettle of fish. One last thing I'll bring up is I was looking at these videos of people opening these yonder cases and they're big because they got to fit everybody's phone sizes, right? And there's a lot of different phone sizes. I'm just wondering 
how am I going to fit this thing into my pocket? So let's say I go to Garth Brooks here in Vegas, peak summer, right? I'm in shorts. I'm in a shirt. I'm not wearing a jacket. I'm not bringing a purse or any bag. I never do that. Must be nice. <laughs> so for <laughs> women, like it, it works. And I mean, you know, you see, actually you see a lot of men now with um these uh these uh I don't know what you call them really, but Danny the, a sling. Yeah, yeah fanny pack. Merces, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, it goes over your front like this at an angle. So, okay, I see some of that. But like for me, I don't know where I'm putting this phone with the yonder case. I can't fit it in my pocket. There's no way that's fitting in my pocket. I, I just, I this seems so impractical. See, now, Andrew, you get to have the experience that women have with our clothes. True. And ah. The fact that phones get bigger every fucking year. And our pockets, if anything, get smaller as fashion trends change. Yeah. That's true. I You don't have to buy the big phone, though. You can go for the smaller ones. Even the smaller ones, though, they don't are fit much in the bigger. Yeah. You're yeah. lucky these days if, like, you're, the front pocket on women's jeans goes, like, to your knuckles. That is bullshit. I, I totally like, I know what you're talking about. Like, where are you going to fit the phone? Even the small phone, yeah. that's half the phone. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah. And then nowadays yeah. with a lot of concerts, like they're they're um they've pivoted to a clear bag policy, which is so dumb. That's right. I just bought one preemptively for Taylor Swift. I bought a bigger one because I know that my brother who's going with me is gonna say, Can you put this in your purse? Said <laughs> <laughs> an out-of-body experience. I thought I was hearing myself for a second. <laughs> Well, I know that if we went to a concert together and they gave you a yonder case, you'd be like, can you put this in your purse? <laughs> <laughs> you know, Pat, seriously, like, uh, all, loves having a fanny pack. He brings one to Disney mm -hmm. all the time. So I would just, I think we'd just start bringing his fanny pack to concerts. <laughs> <laughs> and then you'd be asking him if he could put it in his purse. Yeah, yeah, right. Fanny packs are in now. They yeah. used to be considered dorky. But, but you know what's in right now? In. These, yeah, I... <laughs> I don't know if the I don't I kind of disagree with that. I'm talking like people in Discord are trying to correct me too. I'm talking like a sling. That that is a fanny pack. They're just wearing it over their chest. But do people want to call it a fanny pack? I mean, it's such a stupid name. But that's what I'm it so is. 90s. The 90s are back. Okay. Well, here on Bellroy.com, it's called a sling. And that's what I'm calling it. I don't want to say I'm wearing a fanny a pack. A sling bag. <laughs> you might as well just get a satchel and call it a day. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, oh, okay. Well, we can leave it there for now and see how bad this gets. Um, I'm going to go shopping for some sling bags and we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. So for this week, I wanted to talk about the concept of therapy speak in the internet. And this discussion was inspired by a recent article that appeared over on Bustle, which tackled the subject of therapy speak and whether or not the push to advocate for self-care, setting boundaries is ultimately making us more selfish humans. Bustle had a really clinical description of what therapy speak is. And when they wrote this article, they described it as a perspective language describing certain psychological concepts and behaviors. And they also pointed out that in the age of social media, this seems to be running more and more rampant. 
But I think that the easiest way to kind of really get a firm grasp for what this is, because even if you don't think you know what therapy speak is, chances are you've probably seen it run amok online. Um, So a good example of this is a Twitter thread that went viral back in 2019. This was originally published by a user named Melissa Fabello, who was recounting a text message that they received from a friend asking if they had the, quote, emotional slash mental capacity to listen to a vent about, quote, something medical slash weight related. And in this very lengthy thread, Fabella went on to suggest that more people should incorporate this type of language into their interactions with friends. Um, they said that in part it was because, you know, like the initial text suggested, some people just don't have enough spoons to deal with other people's shit. And then um, another point that she brought up is that, you know, maybe if it was like a friend that is not like a close friend in the inner circle, they might not like have the emotional capacity to entertain whatever it is they wanted to vent about. So after a lengthy string of texts, they kind of ended off by sharing a template with regards to how one could potentially respond if they just felt like they weren't in the right headspace to listen to whatever the friend wanted to talk about. And this is the part that I remember specifically going super viral. So I just wanted to read this aloud before we get into our main discussion here. So the template that Fabello uh, shared reads, Hey, I'm so glad you reached out. I'm actually at capacity slash helping someone else who is in crisis slash dealing with some personal stuff right now. And I don't think I can hold appropriate space for you. Could we connect brackets later date or time instead slash do you have someone else you could reach out to? So this is a really good example of the therapy speak that Bustle was detailing out. And I've seen this pop up again and again over the years with more frequency on um, everywhere from like Twitter to Instagram to TikTok, where people are even saying that like you should check in with your friends to see if like they have the emotional capacity to drive you to the airport, for example. So it's just (laughs) it's really interesting to kind of see how um, the language around setting um, healthy boundaries and practicing self-care is changing as a result of the internet. Because I don't think that that's anything near close to how we would even consider approaching a conversation with somebody that we were close enough to ask a favor to or to vent to about something serious. Yeah, not at all. I immediately, hearing this, think about what I do when I need to vent about something, um, and it, you know, will usually be through text because 2023. And the way I'll preface it is, you know, first of all, you have to have an awareness of your, you know, various levels of friendship, right? Like some people you have more rapport with than others. And when it comes to those friends that you're comfortable sharing or venting about um, the more intimate details of your life, I can't imagine going to my best friend and being like, do you have the capacity to hear about my problems? Like, I know she I mean, she might not at the time, but if she can't, she just won't respond right away. That's what I feel like is missing here. It's like, okay, we're doing boundary setting on one side of this. 
equation, but completely disregarding the fact that the other party can set boundaries too. And that boundary can be, oh, I can't fucking deal with this right now. I'm, I'm not responding. Right? right. I'll respond later. And they don't owe anyone an explanation. And when you ask somebody like, do you have a minute or do you have the emotional capacity? You're going to stress out the recipient by being like, oh, God, they have something big to yeah. say. What the hell is this? Whereas if you just nor- uh, sent a fire off a normal everyday text message, it comes across less urgent. Yeah. Right. And also, like, I preface if I'm going to go on a vent session, I preface it by being like, I just need to vent. You don't need to respond to this right away. I just need to get this off my chest. Mm-hmm. And then I don't take it personally if I don't get an immediate response. Yeah, I was yeah. about to say that, that the most I'll do is just, you know, shoot off a, a preliminary text that just says, sorry, can I just vent for a sec? Or sorry, I need to vent for a sec. And then, yeah, I just like let it all out. And I'm not expecting a reply right away to your point. So most I feel like most people usually aren't right. Most people just need mm-hmm. to get something off their chest. This is kind of unrelated, but my dad will text me. Simsy, you there? And I'm like, what is this? AOL Instant Messenger? And we're both sitting on our computers dialed in via 56K modem. I'll reply to you when I have a minute. You there. He's waiting for like a live connection over the phone, but it's a text message. It's funny because I still have your contact in my phone is Andrew Simsy Sims. I've had you in my phone like that since like 2008. (laughs) Oh, I did not know that. That's funny. Yeah, I've had some things, some people's nicknames. Like I have a doctor in front of somebody's name, even though they're not a doctor. I've just had it that way forever. Um, But anyway, I do think like in terms of why do people start picking up this therapy speak? Okay, maybe they are going to therapy. Maybe they're going twice a week, just weekly, just monthly. But then I guess when you start having these really effective conversations with your therapist, it is, and this is good, sticking with you and the conversations you have are sticking with you. But then you start carrying it with you outside of therapy and that's when it becomes a problem. This sort of reminds me of when you binge a television show and you love it so much that you end up absorbing the personality of a character and it can be really bad i still remember binging queers folk in like 2006 or 7 at home in my childhood house and there was five six seasons and each season was a good 20 episodes it was in the old days of of uh, premium cable television and i just started becoming brian in the way i spoke and he's the asshole on the show. I I just picked up this tone from him and I started catching myself talking like him. I was like, oh, damn. But like part of me wanted to still. And then part say, of me was disgusted. There must have been something about Brian that you found admirable, though, for you to pick up certain he's, things. He's cool and hot and getting all the guys. Well, maybe that's what you wanted. And so then you yeah. were like, if I'm more like Brian, then I'll be cool and hot and I'll get all the guys. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, you were really young when that happened, and I think it's really normal for young people to try on personalities. I think we all did that in our late teens, early 20s, right? Yeah. But I I guess the, the line I'm drawing here, the through line, is just 
you start spending more time with a therapist or a character on a television show and you just start talking like them because you're really moved or, you know, what what they're saying is sticking with you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to that point, I also wanted to ask because like we've all three been in therapy or gone to therapy at some point or another. Like, does any of this language sound familiar with regards to what our therapists have told us? Because I know that like my therapist has definitely helped me set healthy boundaries, but none of it sounds like this remotely close to it. Same. A hundred percent. I've made a lot of headway on setting healthy boundaries and it does not sound or look like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't think so either. I'm sure social media is a factor here too. And we see this in you can call it therapy speak or like social media speak, internet speak. You just people start speaking in certain ways over social media and people just start parroting each other. Yeah, it's like an internet bastardization of therapy speak. Not to say that there's not a therapist anywhere who talks like this. I'm sure there is, but it does remind me of how people get on bandwagons on social media about. Um, you know, terminology and the way that we talk about certain conflicts or issues in society and how charged those conversations can be when you're online. But then when you're out in the real world, do you realize nobody actually talks like that? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of like, um, I think they're just called trigger warnings. Like if you spend any amount of time on fandom Twitter at all, you'll see a lot of people using it's usually like a slash and then some kind of acronym for something. And it could be anything from like slash TW, which would just mean trigger warning to like slash G, which would be like genuine. Oh, tone indicators. That's what it's called. So people like people will use tone indicators online. And the idea behind that is is that they're supposed to help people that, you know, maybe are not good in social situations where they understand social cues. But I don't really know if it does more harm than good, because to your point, Laura, out in the real world, you don't have some, I guess you have like, um, you might be able to pick up something based on on the tone of speech someone's taking, but nobody's going to sit there and like, tell you like, um, you know, like, I, I had like this for lunch today. Um, I'm joking. You know, like it doesn't life doesn't come with a parenthesis that gives yeah. you more context for what people are saying. So it's kind of like when we talked about, I think it's probably been a year ago at this point, but the tendency for people to over explain or over justify why they think something or why they're doing something. Um just to account for the possibility that someone else might come along and play the whataboutism game. Like, well, mm-hmm. what about this person? What about this example? It's like, I wasn't fucking talking about that. <laughs> um, so I feel like this kind of, uh, this kind of fits in that um, particular niche, I think. You also brought up a good point when um, we were talking about this in our planning meeting and you said it kind of feels like HR jargon. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about that for anybody that maybe hasn't come across that? Yeah. So I think, I mean, anyone who finds themselves in 
like a traditional professional or even corporate space, you might be hearing um, people talk like this. Sometimes I have definitely heard professionals talk about things like emotional capacity. Um, There's also the dreaded bandwidth, (laughs) not having bandwidth for something. Um, And I have to say, I mean, because I have a day job outside of this podcast, I spend way more time doing that day job than I spend doing this podcast. And that corporate speak, even just the tone of professional speech um, does bleed over sometimes. I think some of it's teacher speak, too, because I used to be a teacher. So I feel like it's this weird blend of being a podcaster um, having a day job and being a former teacher. And it definitely comes out sometimes. And I don't love it. You know, Mark will even tell me sometimes when we're talking, he'll be like, okay, I don't need corporate Laura right now. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Turn that off. And I'm like, oh, fuck. (laughs) I did it again. But when you spend so much time in a space, you're gonna naturally pick up on that kind of thing. I mean, linguistically, it's a community of practice. You spend enough time in a particular setting, whether it's a social setting or otherwise, you're going to pick up on some of the linguistic trends of that community. Well, and similarly, like I've picked up words from you two working on the show together. I'm sure our listeners have picked up phrases and words from us. So yeah. I'm looking at a list of worst business buzzwords. Synergy, low-hanging fruit. I use that one. Yeah. Sometimes. I mean, that, but that one, I I don't hate that one as much. I I will confess, I have never heard anyone use synergy unironically. <laughs> I've never heard that happen. Yeah. Circle, let's circle back to that. That's a big one. I was just gonna say that yeah. one. Yep. Circle back. Move the needle, leverage, agile. I see bandwidth customer journey reach out touch base i don't like touch base just touching base oh what about sync oh god let's oh, sync let's sync up oh, oh my god <laughs> oh, that honestly just made me sick someone like used that with me unironically but like not in a work setting it was like oh let's sync up for like a hike or something oh my god it was like, oh, oh my yeah. god ping yeah i'm gonna ping them yeah we use ping though. We use ping? Yeah, we've all definitely said like I pinged you on Slack. Oh, I oh never my, use that. I, do I not just say, say I, that. If anything I say I I sent you a DM. Next time I hear it Andrew, I'm going to be <laughs> I'm going to be like Caesar Milan, the dog whisperer. I'm just going to be like <laughs> Laura, I hate that word. You won't catch me <laughs> using that word ever. Ever. Isn't ping like doesn't it have an its roots in like blackberries? Like the BlackBerry phone? Yeah. Maybe. I yeah, think so I, the I was never a BlackBerry user, so like that one did not ever rub off on me. But every time I hear it, I just think it feels outdated. Apple tried to launch a social network in iTunes called Ping. Remember did that? They? It no. Flopped. Yeah. Yes. Yep. That's one reason I hate the word. Wow. <laughs> Optics. Yeah. Scalable, optimize efficiency. I've heard this is the year of efficiency in the tech world because of all these layoffs. Like I think Mark Zuckerberg used Man, that. That's a really that nice euphemism. Uh, I know that is 
a really positive spin. <laughs> right, right. Actually really dark if you think about it. Like we're tra- <laughs> this is the year of efficiency and we're just going to like <laughs> completely upend people's lives. <laughs> Micah said to me yesterday morning, let me preface this with Micah, I love you if you're listening, but Micah texted me yesterday morning, how are you tracking in Tears of the Kingdom, the new Zelda game? Ooh. That's not part of the game? No. Oh. <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, tracking? This isn't a work project in a sauna. It's a video game. That's corporate jargon. Yes! Oh, no. He's very bad. Why didn't he just say, how far are you? On the new Zelda game. Right. How you doing? Are yeah. you enjoying it? How you tracking? He loves using that corporate jargon. Wow, that's <laughs> funny. And I mean, I, I'm not going to make fun of him for it because it, as I've said, it uh, it escapes me sometimes too when I'm outside of that space. And it's just like, I mean, I think there's probably a lot of podcasting jargon that is really normal and common for us because we're in this space And if we were talking to people who didn't know anything about podcasting, they would probably be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. You know? And of course, there's running jokes about like all podcasts have the same like five advertisers like Blue Apron, Casper. Those were really big advertisers for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that we are exhausting the emotional capacity of our discord listeners because we're triggering some people in there with all this corporate speak misty you (laughs) said this is hurting me with a melting smiley emoji (laughs) i feel you misty we'll we'll circle back on this another time (laughs) all right well before we get to recommendations i mentioned the variety show the latest installment at the top of the show We did a new edition of WTF News. We each brought a story that was on our radar, and it was a really fun one. It was, like I said, probably one of my favorite editions of the variety show. There were some unexpected revelations by the final story, and I will just say for Laura's story, which was the third and final one, um, it it, you might not want to eat during it. That's that's all I'll say. But it was very insightful and revelatory. So check that out at patreon.com slash millennial. We knew we do a new variety show every month. Sometimes they're WTF news. Sometimes there are games, whatever we're feeling that month. It's just some bonus audio content. And speaking of bonus audio content, Pam, what do we have coming up in After Dark today? This is going to be a fun one, too. Yeah. Um, so I, I found another uh, really fun tweet over on Twitter. And this one was basically about the um, generational divide between our parents and grandparents wanting to give us their old shit and millennials essentially just not wanting it. And so we came up with some really fun discussion topics kind of surrounding that and also the idea of like, where our stuff is going to go after we kick the bucket. So it should be pretty fun. And any strange things we've taken from loved ones who have passed. Yes. So I got a couple of good stories there. I'm excited. You didn't tell us early on. So we're going in I blind. Was like, <laughs> I want to save it for the program. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we hashed that out in a new planning meeting that streamed live and was also recorded and released for our executive producer level patrons. Thanks to everybody who pledges at that level. Thanks to everybody who pledges at any level. We really appreciate it. 
Uh, we're trying to get more ads inserted on the show here. You might hear ads, you might not. If you do, if you don't want to hear ads, you can just pledge at patreon.com slash millennial and you'll get ad-free millennial plus mega millennial and the variety show. We've got a lot of great benefits there. Uh, $10 and higher a month patrons get a new physical gift every year. We already know what we're doing this year. We'll probably share some details over the summer. Um, so lots of good stuff on our Patreon. We, we offer a lot. So thank you to everybody who supports us. And if you don't currently, we would really appreciate it because it is what keeps the show going. So time for some recommendations. I love saving people money and came across this company recently, Pesty. Now, Laura, I don't think you have, uh, you don't personally hire a guy to come out and spray for bugs, right? For insects. and Actually, we do. Oh, you do? Oh, yeah. great. And uh, Pam, do you have a bug guy? Um, Yeah, my bug guy is my uncle. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> well, it's time to fire your uncle. There's a service called Pesty, and Pesty will ship you a customized bug killing spray. It's customized to your exact location, and it comes with everything you need, and you become your own bug guy. You get customized products for your specific bug problem and everything you need to apply, and it's delivered right at the perfect time of year. You'll get these quarterly. Pesty is $135 for the year. Now, compare this to the bug guy we had until signing up for Pesty. They were $480 a year. So doing the math here, it's $1125 a month with Pesty versus $40 a month with our bug guy. Of course, people's mileage is going to vary, but I'm willing to bet Pesty is going to be cheaper than uh, the bug guy you already have. And it's very easy to do. Pat did it, but it's very easy to do. And like I said, they're going to, uh, we have a subscription now. They're going to send us what we need four times a year. And we're going to go out and spray. And they give you a lot of material. We got a standalone full-size house here. And we got sent plenty of bug spray. Um, so I think this is awesome. I'm saving money, which always excites me. So check out Pesty, P-E-S-T-I-E. I'll have to look for that. Our current contract is $45 a month. Girl. For the Orchid Man to come out. <laughs> fuck the Orchid Man. It's time to uh, spray him down and you're going to go with Pesty. Okay. Text us if you need any help. We'll get you set up. <laughs> Perfect. Um, well, my recommendation is for any uh, dog pet parents out there, Andrew, I think it might be really relevant to you, given the fact that y'all are now a, a household of four instead of just you, Pat, plus Brooklyn. Um, I want to recommend dog toys for mental enrichment. There are a lot of mental enrichment toys for dogs that allow you to hide treats in them um, so that the dog actually has to work to either get the treats or the food. So you can get puzzles, um, even like maze bowls that they have to eat around like all the various corners to get to all the treats. Um, but the one that I use for Canela is this treat ball that is uh, weighted on the bottom so that it always will stand up, you know, in a particular position, but she can tilt it around and nudge it with her nose. And it kind of goes like all whirly <laughs> around on the floor. And it has a little dispenser, uh, hole on it that you can open up either the full width, or you can close it to the point where only a little bit of food can come out at a time to make it a little more challenging. 
I really like this for her because it's something to engage her when she's eating. They get some exercise with it. Um, These things will advertise that 30 minutes of engagement with the toy um, or with the the food dispensing device is the equivalent to like a mile walk outside in terms of exercise. Um, So it's just mentally stimulating for them. I bring this up because we've had really bad thunderstorms rolling through the Atlanta area tonight during this recording, and I filled Canela's up. And it definitely kept her busy and calm. And she is now passed out on the floor next to me and not freaking out about the storms. Yes. And I have a music recommendation this week. I wanted to recommend Chapel Roan, who I've been listening to for uh, a while now. But if you're looking for a new pop artist to sink your teeth into, I'd recommend checking her out. I would describe her style as kind of like, um, like anthemic ballad, but like really in the lane of sad girl pop. <laughs> so she kind of um, plays a lot with um, some some deeper, uh, darker subjects for her lyrics, but it's all kind of set against this backdrop of really catchy pop music. So yeah, definitely check her out if you're looking for something new. I really like uh, My Kink is Karma and Casual if you're looking for good songs to start with. Don't forget to follow us on social media. We're Millennial Show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And then over on TikTok, we are Millennial Pod. If you have any feedback about today's episode, you can email millennialshow.com or use the contact form or anonymous confessional on millennialshow.com. And we'd really appreciate if you made sure you're following the show for free in your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. And if your app allows you to leave a five-star review, we would appreciate that as well as it helps us get discovered by new listeners. After Dark will start in a moment for patrons and Apple Podcast subscribers. Thanks everybody for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. Sync up next time. (laughs) 